Shut up and sit down. This is off the walk. Folks, it's definitely been a minute since our last episode. Let's just say life's gotten busy for us, and I'm sure our guests can definitely attest to that because who we have today is a mother, a somatic life transformation and mental fitness coach, a keynote speaker, a self confidence trainer, and the author of Unfinished Business. Breaking down the great wall between adult, child, and immigrant parents, available for pre order right now on her website. I know it's a lot of stuff, but we have Amy joining us today for a conversation on all of it, if possible. So, Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And as you started <laughs> listing out all the things, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a long list. <laughs> it's a, definitely, definitely. So, first off, I just want to say congratulations on the book. And for our listeners out there who don't know about it yet, because it's it's coming out, I don't think it's out currently. It's like September rollout, correct? Yes, September 28th. September 28th. Mark that down on your notebooks, your iPad, your schedule, whatever. Get onto our website, which we'll link later. But could you please just give a quick summary on what the book is about? Yeah, so Unfinished Business is a parts memoir Hearts guidebook and essentially it explores the relationship between adult child and immigrant parents the complexities of that on the one hand there are the expectations the rifts the criticisms you know all of that side and then there's that other side of this desire this craving for wanting our parents to be proud of us, to accept us, to love us. And that's how do you bridge the two? How do you bridge that gap through the power of conversations and learn to see our parents as human beings and not just our parents? Mm. And I'm assuming you interviewed your own parents for this, for this book. So that must have been a very interesting start just right off the bat there. <laughs> yes, um, I, I embarked on this journey over three years ago. And I actually started on this journey because I'm a coach, the one of many hats that I wear, and a lot of my clients are of Asian descent. So about three years ago, I was coaching a woman. She's 55, senior vice president of this huge, large bank in the US, and she was doing really well in her career. She felt stuck though. She wanted to do something else, but she wasn't sure what. And so through our coaching, she discovered, you know what? I actually really want to be an entrepreneur, but the business she wanted to start was in the creative space. It was not your typical, right? Like Asian job. And so she was like, I'm going to wait until my dad passes before I do this thing. I'm like, oh, how come? And she basically told me she goes into what she calls little girl mode and she becomes afraid of her father's disapproval. She was afraid he would criticize her. She was afraid that he wouldn't understand because his expectation was that she would become the president of some organization. And right now she's only a senior vice president. So she was like, <laughs> instead of talking to my dad, 
I'm going to just wait till he passes away, right? She was afraid of talking to him. So then I started seeing this pattern among all, a lot of my clients where they go into little girl or little boy mode. And I started wondering, huh, do I have any of these stories? Am I not telling my parents certain things? Do I hide certain things from them? And I mean, I thought I worked through a lot of my shit already. (laughs) (laughs) I realized while going through this exercise on my own, I was like, oh yeah, there are a lot of things that I don't tell them that I intentionally don't disclose to them. So I I feel like I'm not lying, but I kind of am because I'm just not (laughs) disclosing. And so I started, you know, three years ago, I went to my parents and I'm like, Hey, I'm really curious about your life and getting to know you. And, you know, I just want to ask you some questions. And that's how I started three years ago. And my dad's initial response when I asked him this was, Oh, but I have nothing to share. My life's not very exciting. He's, I'm, I'm just a, I was just a restaurant worker. He's like, you should ask your uncle. He's a lawyer. He's hmm. probably got a lot of stories to tell you. And I was like, I don't think a lawyer has that many exciting stories. <laughs> I want to hear your story. I want to hear about your life. So um, him and my mom were okay about sharing but to be honest, like over the past three years, 40 plus hours of conversations, the first 20, 25 plus hours full of anger, resentment, you know, like sadness, tears. I, there were, it, it was like a roller coaster, a long, long roller coaster. And mm-hmm. I would often leave those conversations triggered and wanting to give up. Yeah. I, I was going to say, because I mean, how do you like I, I'm thinking, how do you even start? a conversation with your parents, right? Cause they're already, like you say, in that baby, you know, in that kind of kid mode and you're kind of like, I don't want to ask them. I want to talk about it, but mm-hmm. I don't know how to approach it because I'm scared. So uh-huh. I guess how, what, what are the things that you done to kind of get you to even just start to have this conversation? So I'm, um, I made a lot of mistakes. So I'm happy to share. One one mistake is jumping off the deep end and going straight to the deep questions, Mm. right? And asking my parents about these very, very hard questions. Like, tell me about the hardest thing that you experienced as a child. Or like, you know, what was your relationship like with your parents? And it's just stuff they don't Mm. necessarily want to be able to talk about, right? Mm. And so those turned into not so great conversations. And then I was like, you know what, let me rewind. And then I went in with questions like, what was your favorite thing to eat when you were young? Mm. What activity did you like to play when you were 10? What was your favorite subject in school while you were still in school? Because my my parents only went to fourth, up to fourth and sixth grade. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I I was also not sure if that would be a touchy subject. So I was kind of like, you know, while you were in school, did you like school? What were your favorite subjects? So I started, I call it warming up. I warmed my parents up Mm -hmm. and then we started going deeper and deeper and deeper. And that, that worked well because they, they got used to the questions and then they, they started asking me things too. Yeah. So that I would say that's one thing. The another tip would be to go into it not trying to change your parents' minds, not trying to change your parents. 
they have a right to what they believe. So go in with the intention of, I'm just trying to understand their side. I'm not trying to persuade them otherwise. Mm -hmm. And I'm also not trying to have my parents understand me. Because that that is, you know, like you're going to have to understand them before they're going to even be willing to understand you. Right. Yeah, that's that's definitely a good point. I guess it, I guess you got lucky because I think maybe some parents, if you dive deep right away, you might get them to shut off and and just go, okay, mm-hmm. that's it. I'm not talking about it. But they kind of warmed up to the idea, and and you brought them back into the conversation. Yeah, my parents did shut down a couple times. Okay, <laughs> <And> <laughs> they did. They shut down a couple times. Um, we had points where we had a, hi- a long like several month hiatus where we didn't talk about these mm. sort of things and it was very like typical parent child like what'd you eat today do you need this you know <laughs> like very um so we <laughs> went through those periods and the other thing i would also suggest is depending on your relationship with your parents don't make it so official you don't have to ask permission to ask what their favorite color is or what their you know um like at some point I, I I would be like, oh yeah, you know, I'm eating, I don't know, whatever I'm eating. And it's one of my favorite things. You know, when you were my age, what did you love to eat? And I would just throw it in there instead of making it an official, hey, can we restart those conversations? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess no, I like, think you know, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Eric. No, no, I just wanted to say like, even while you're talking about that, I'm thinking about my myself and my own parents and they they've never really told me much about their lives either. Like it's 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 always seems to be yeah closed off and makes me want to know what their favorite color was when they were growing up or something <laughs> like that. You know, it, it it would be good to give a little bit of insight into mm-hmm. your parents because obviously you're shaped somewhat by by how they you know how you grew up with them, how they teach you, and so it's. You're, they're drawing from their experiences somewhere in the past, obviously, to to bring to shape you somewhat in in their as much as they can, obviously. But yeah, it, it leads. I don't know anything about my parents. I feel like I don't know anything about my parents now. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's why it's so important to start these conversations when you still have them, when they're still somewhat healthy, when they're still, you know, able to tell you things and remember things. Yeah, for sure. I I guess that brings me to the question is, like, why is it important to have these questions? And what has, you know, maybe um, some of your clients, what have they gotten and gained out of these conversations with their parents? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, As a starting point, one of the things that I've been studying and learning a lot about is um, this concept called intergenerational trauma. Mm -hmm. And intergenerational trauma is essentially trauma that gets passed down from the person who actually experienced it to future generations. And research Mm -hmm. has shown that intergenerational trauma can be passed down genetically. They've been able to show that like, um, it changes your genetic, which then gets passed down. So it's a biological change. It can also be passed down through how you parent, right? You Mm -hmm. develop an adaptive style based on what has happened and that causes you to parent in a certain way. So it's almost like nature versus nurture. So you, you get impacted in both ways. 
And unless you find a way to heal, it continues to impact and continues to be passed down from generation to generation to generation. So they've done studies of um, families of survivors of the Holocaust, and they continue to see um, cortisol levels being different in in those families as the generations go down and it still exists, right? Unless you've done something to heal. So one of the biggest reasons is, especially if you're a parent, do you want to pass this shit onto your children? (laughs) Right. And I have an 18 month old and he's a huge motivator for me because I'm like, Oh, I I'm still carrying all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And you being a mixed kid, you're going to have to deal with all this other stuff. And I don't want you to also carry my things. Mm -hmm. And so let me stop it here to prevent that from getting to you so that I could be a better parent and you could be a better person. So that, that, that's a big motivator in itself. Um, But also how many people really enjoy those tough relationships with their parents. You know, like I, I certainly don't. I, I still, I, I'll, I'll say this. Back in May, I was going through fertility treatments and uh, I, the embryo transfer was unsuccessful. Mm. I was very afraid to tell my parents because when my sister had miscarriages six, seven years ago, my parents blamed her. They Mm. essentially said like, you must have done something wrong. That's why, right? You Mm. you walk too much. You did this too much. You, and so I, I had this fear in me and this was like after I wrote the book, right. But I still had this fear of telling them because I was like, Oh, I don't want them to blame me. It's already hard enough. Mm -hmm. My dad called me, asked me how I was doing. And I was like, well, there's no baby. It was, it didn't work. And I was bracing myself. I felt like my whole body just clenching, ready for the fight, flight, freeze mode. And my dad said, you know what? Fate is a funny thing. Sometimes it'll work. Sometimes it doesn't. But you know what? If it's meant to be, it'll be meant to be. So don't be so hard on yourself. And my jaw dropped. I was like, what? (laughs) And then my mom picked up the phone. I was like, oh shit, here we go. Here's here's going to be the lesson. And my mom's like, Amy, are you okay? Don't be sad. Are you crying? Don't cry. It's okay. I'm like, who are you two people? You know? And so it's, for most people, it's kind of like, well, what kind of relationship do you want with your parents? Do you want the relationship where your parents are, are blaming you? Or do you want the relationship where you could be open and honest with them? Right. Um, and, and, Someone had actually asked me about, about like, oh, well, why'd they criticize your sister and not you? And I was like, well, that was seven years ago. This was after the conversations. And my parents are different mm-hmm. in how they even relate to both my sisters. You know, mm-hmm. they, they tell us things like they're, they're proud of us. And, and how good does that feel if your parents say, we're proud of you? <laughs> I, 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 it's very difficult. I, and I think with even the Asian side, it, you know, because I think Asians are a little bit more superstitious. There's always like, you know, uh, I don't know. I can't remember the things that they say, but like, you know, if you're walking around too much or, you know, they just kind of have a lot of things to kind of fall on. So it's like, it's, it's kind of rare, but I think because we're, you know, we're having these conversations and 
we're hearing more about it, I think they're becoming, you know, like, okay, we need to be, be more careful of the, the words that we say, because these words can, like you say, traumatize us for, you yeah. know, our entire life, right? And the things that we do continue to do. So um, it's, you know, it's good, again, to have these conversations. And like you said, to have these tough conversations with our parents, um, maybe that opens them up a little bit more. And, and we get to see a little bit more into them as well, right? Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, so many of us, we believe we do a lot of things. And, and you, you had asked about like, well, how has this impacted my clients? So a lot of my clients, they have these beliefs that my parents have an expectation of me. And these expectations were oftentimes from 10, 20, 30 years ago, but we still believe mm -hmm that those are the same expectations. So we're living our life according to some expectation that was set a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Are we sure that our parents still have the same expectation and have our parents' expectation, like do we have clarity on why they set those expectations to begin with? And for my parents, like I asked them about the whole doctor, lawyer, engineer thing. And my dad was like, look, mm -hmm. we were uneducated. We didn't have the internet and who would have known that a company could sell books online and one day be known as Amazon. And there would be all these cool jobs at a company like Amazon. Like we didn't know this back in the day. So of course we're going to tell you be a doctor, lawyer, engineer, because that's all we knew. Mm -hmm. But right now there's a lot of opportunities out there. So you young people need to go use the internet and do your own research. <laughs> that's what he said. And I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. Yeah. For no, sure. I think, yeah, my parents probably wanted the same for, for me. Right. And it's just like you say, like, because, um, they didn't have that opportunity to be, to get educated, you know, they came over when they were younger and, and so it was very difficult for them. But as, as you stated, you know, seeing others, that's what they saw as success, right. As being a doctor or an engineer, or, you know, a, a, any of those kind of fields. Right. So I think, they just want the best for us mm -hmm. by hoping that, you know, they know that if we can get there, our lives will be all right. And that, you know, in their eyes, okay, I don't have to take care of you anymore. You're going to be taken care of. And as a parent, that's, that's good enough for us. Right. Type of thing. So, uh, but like you said, you know, to, in today's world, it's, uh, you know, you could be many things uh, out there and you can still have a pro, you know profitable career out of the things that you do um and they're seeing that now right as as their eyes open up as well so um but yeah that you definitely get that stigma like you know we, we got to be an engineer we we got to be a doctor or something and i guess that pressure still even as old as i am still amounts to like am i good enough am i good enough you know and so i can see how you're saying that your client still kind of at, at, at the level that she is at it's like okay well am i good enough and still questioning that so yeah that's exactly that's 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 intense especially at the beginning when you i mean these are what executives mm -hmm. who are wildly successful and yet are still like i don't know yeah. <laughs> they're just like well i mean how far how much higher can you go i mean you know but I, I'm just amazed that you managed to crack the puzzle now for to to talk to for all Asians out there who want to talk to their parents or anybody. Start off with the easier questions, you know. Don't go straight in. You know, I've had some friends talk to me about their own parents and how they say, like, you know, it's hard to talk to them. 
now I feel like, yeah, I think just starting it off with easier questions, kind of get them to start opening up more a little bit, can start moving into the the deeper questions. Like I've got some, you know, I got I to gotta use this strategy of yours to to figure out what my parents are always thinking about and, and, and or what, what, or how they live their lives. And frankly, as well too, I would rather listen to stories of working in a restaurant than being a lawyer, because I'm sure your dad's seen some stuff, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm sure he's seen some stuff. So yeah. another question too, is like, when you actually, like, did you tell them in the beginning, I'm assuming you didn't tell them in the beginning that you were going to record all this and move, put it into a book, right? And then it wasn't until till later. So I want, I want to know how that went when you told them about that. Well, I, I told them I wanted to record it because I was like, well, I want to re-listen to this, you know, and I want, I want just a record of it. I want it for future reference. And so they were okay with that. They're like, as long as it's not shared and you don't tell people. And it, they're like, as long as it's not shared and don't, don't say our name because you know, communism's going to come after us. <laughs> People are gonna, they're going to search at home. They're going to know, you know, whatever it is. So they, they were really afraid of that. My dad is hypervigilant because, and, and here's like, I learned that when he was young, he was born into a, a very rich family. His father used to give him gold coins to play with. Wow. That's how rich he was. And then when communism came, his dad was not allowed to own a business and they just like lost everything. And mm. so he has this constant fear of loss, right? So that helped me to understand mm -hmm. my dad now. So he was like, don't tell people our names. That's why throughout my book, I call them Mama and Papa Yip. Uh, and, and I was like, okay, mm -hmm. I won't. But, but then I did tell them that um, I was using a lot of my own experience with them to coach clients through their, their relationship with their parents. And I was like, I really want to write a book about this. I want to be able to share your stories, my stories, and help people. You know, and and so my dad was like, Yeah, young kids need to be better to their parents. <laughs> so I was like, Exactly. You know, they need to be kinder to their parents and better children and more. You know, whatever. So this book is going to be so helpful for them to do that. Wouldn't you be happy to share your story in that case? And so my dad was like, yeah, if this, you think it would be helpful for kids to, you know, respect their parents more and treat their parents nicer, then yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so that's how I got him on board. It's almost like you played a, played a little bit of a word game right here sometime. Of a <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think that's part of it is like, how do you find leverage to persuade your parents to go for this right um maybe it's not writing a book but it's like oh i don't know whatever it is and and right now with the book coming out you could say oh i read this book or i heard this podcast where you know this this lady had this relationship with her parents and she had asked all these questions and now i'm so curious about you so would you be willing to open up and tell me things you know, it changed their relationship. And maybe, maybe that's like your entryway. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I feel uh, like it's so, it's so hard. I don't know. I speak from my personal experience. It's just, it's like, you know, talking to my dad, if I was to like, how would you create that kind of, um, I guess, I don't know if you call it a safe space or something, but like, for example, my dad maybe. You know, you know, Oh, how, how, how was your, what was your teenage life? Like, you know, and it'd be like, 
you know, it's, it, they're like one word dancers, like, yeah, eh, you know, it was, it yeah. wasn't good. <laughs> I don't know. Right. And, and how do you get them to like elaborate, you know, like a little bit more because I find like the older that my folks get is kind of just like, eh, it's like, it's how it is now. Or like they're, they're, the answers are so vague that you can't get anything out of them. It's because the question is broad. Oh, uh, there we go. How is, how is your teenage years or, you know, like that, that's a very broad question. So questions that I asked were very, very specific. Tell me about, um, like, like I asked my dad, did you ever see grandpa or your dad cry or show mm. emotion? Right. Do you mm. remember a time? You know, because we were talking about masculinity and femininity and how Asians, yeah, I'll, I'll leave that aside. But like, yeah, you know, yeah. men yeah, are not yeah. supposed to cry. So I'm, I'm curious, mm-hmm. have you ever seen grandpa cry? And so he, he thought for a moment and he had a very specific story. So it's how do you get your question to be as specific as possible to make it easy for them to answer? Yeah, I feel like it, I don't know if this is just like my perception is would it is it easier that it's a female asking this question rather than a male like i feel like how do i ask my father that question with without feeling like i shouldn't even have to ask him that like it just gets it's so raw that it's like you know mm-hmm. the vulnerability there it's it's like you know almost like you get slapped in the face like you should like mention you know you shouldn't be crying anyways, you know, type of thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, and a couple of reflections. One, I don't, I mean, I, I don't think it's because I'm a woman and that's why. Um, I think, I think the, the question to consider is, do you feel uncomfortable asking that sort of thing? I feel like I can ask my mom that question and I, I just can't, I just don't feel like I can ask my dad that question. Then, I don't know if that's weird or not. Then, then, then maybe practice with your mom first. You don't have to do it with both of your parents together. You could have them together. I had my parents together most of the time, but it's practicing for your own comfort and then like moving on to your dad. The other option is also don't, and it goes back to what I said earlier, don't start with the deep questions. And this is for both you and him to Mm. warm both of you up to having those conversations. So my question didn't go straight to the, did you ever see grandpa cry? (laughs) It was, it was, um, I don't even remember what I started with, but it was something around like, why, you know, why, uh, I, I think I told them, oh, one of my clients is male and Asian and like says that he feels that men shouldn't cry and he learned it from his dad. Right. I'm like, so why, why, what do you, why do you think it's like this thing that keeps getting passed on? Mm-hmm. And so my dad started talking about like how that's what you just learn in culture and schools and all these things. Like anytime you fall down, you're told not to cry. You're a big boy, you know, and all this stuff. And so we started 
digging into that. And then I, I turned it into something more personal. So we started more broad and like a societal type of a thing, cultural type of a thing. And I asked him about, you know, where did you learn that? Was it in school? You know, was it a teacher? And so then he started going into that before I turned it into a question that was personal. Right on. Yeah. I, 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 see. I Go ahead. Go ahead, Eric. Oh, I was just oh, gonna no, say, like, I feel, question. I feel like, uh, I feel like, if I was to go slow, it'd take me like five to ten years before I get to the deep <laughs> stuff with my with my dad. But <laughs> that's just that's, me. That's that's okay too. There's no rush to this. Yeah, so yeah. some of the people that I've coached with and worked with, they're also like, "Oh, let me go straight into the deep. I want to know about like all these things." And I'm like, once you get there, it'll be like, really easy. Your mm. parents will not sh- shut up. They'll keep, you know, they'll share all these <laughs> things, but it's getting to that point. It's almost like learning to ride a bicycle. You know, how do you start learning how to do it and building that momentum? And then once you get going, it's easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's the same for me too. I, if my, my, me and my dad is like, it's a different type of relationship than me and my mom. Same with my sister. She has a much easier time talking to, you know, my mom about just a lot more things with my dad. It's like very, very basic things. And I don't know, maybe it, it could be in the fact that, yeah, maybe we're just not comfortable asking questions to our dad yet. Maybe as time goes on, we'll, like you said, we'll start off with something a little, little easier and delve into that. He shared a few snippets and all that, but it's just been generally like a more closed mouth type of, type of deal. One word answer is, Oh, whatever, well, how was your experience with this? And be like, ah, you know, it's all right. All right, I'm going to go and eat now. <laughs> and then that's, the, that's pretty much the end of the thing right there. But I actually had a question about the cult, cultural thing. Is this something, and your clients are mainly Asian. Is this something that is more for Asian? Is, is this something that's more predominantly Asian or does this affect other, is the, transcends that? So I have clients who are everything. I've got black, Hispanic, uh, mm-hmm. white, you know, Asian, all the mix. My youngest client was at one point 27. My oldest was 65. Like everyone's works their things. Um, the parent thing comes up quite often because how we show up in the world today or how we've become messed up <laughs> tends to be because <laughs> of something that happened at a younger age how we were raised, mm-hmm. what we were taught, what we were taught was okay or not. You know, we learn the rules of the world, our, our worldviews. And a lot of that happened mm-hmm. through childhood in relation to our parents. And mm-hmm. so um, this is true. This, this, this concept is applicable no matter what grouping you are. Uh, my, one of my editors is white woman who's in her mid-30s and she emailed me after she read the book and she was like, thank you so much for allowing me to edit your book because it has helped me so much. It has healed me on so many levels and I'm going to start having conversations with my own parents. And Mm -hmm. she's not of Asian descent. She's not an immigrant. Um, One of the project managers from my publisher who's managing this project for me, he is 40s has not spoken to his parents in five years. And so he started talking to me and he's like, how do I approach it? Mm-hmm. You know, um, because he he wants a relationship and, and who doesn't, even the p- 
people who say, I'm done with my parents. I don't give a crap about them. There's still mm-hmm. this deep, deep longing of, I wish my parents would love me. Mm-hmm. 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 And, you know, when you were also talking about the whole, because like you said, a lot of them, it was something from their childhood that kind of maybe got to this point today. And that brought me back to the topic of the intergenerational trauma and all that. I'm wondering if, and I'm only speaking from my point of view here, growing up in Asian household, you know, I'm wondering if like, you know, discipline was one thing as well too, you know, obviously in Asian households, beating was like, I got beat, you know, and stuff like that. I wonder if that's also a type of intergenerational trauma that comes forth and passes through through generations growing up i actually thought i was like i growing up i thought that like getting beat was normal i thought everybody was everybody got i thought everybody got beat and i was like oh yeah did you get beat with a feather duster yeah whatever was around you know (laughs) 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 whatever whatever was around and then later on now i'm like oh you know what that's that's not such a great idea actually (laughs) but i wonder if that and I don't know if you can also share some some examples of some intergenerational trauma that you you know of and and, and all that. Um, yes. So let me start with the first question: the beatings. Yeah, it can cause trauma. It could cause and and it, it depends on the individual because every experience impacts individuals differently, right? But for example, it could be that way long ago, you know, an individual gets beaten and they feel a loss of control, right? Mm -hmm. You're you're not in control. You're not in power, right? Someone else is overpowering you. And so it could teach you to desire and crave power, in which case you then, that's how you um, take power back when you have children. You're bigger, you're stronger, and you've got the feather duster, Right. And they must be obedient and listen to you because now you are in that place of power. And so it could be both a mental thing, but it could also be a learned thing. And this is the thing of where even research today, they, they don't know, is it how much of it is nature versus nurture, mm-hmm. right? How much mm-hmm. of it is this genetic part that's changing you and how much of it is it um, where it's the environment and you're learning, and this is how you adapt. So mm-hmm. it, th- this could continue. Um, in terms of you know trauma, a lot of our history has been through war, famine, you know, a lot of that that kind of stuff. War, you know, a lot of our countries have gone through that. And so, mm-hmm. with my particular parents, they experienced hunger a lot. And my parents mm-hmm. even said. Love was represented in being able to fill the bellies of mm-hmm. your family. Mm-hmm. Because if you were to give up your own food for your kids, that's love because we didn't have food. Like my mom told me about how my grandpa brought home a single apple. Six kids split this apple. Mm. Right. And so for her, when she got out and started working, she would be so excited because she could buy her own apple and have an entire apple herself. Mm-hmm. And so that's how she started learning love. But based on her experience, the trauma was um, 
starving and not knowing when the next meal would come. Right. And so there's a fear that built is built in. So her automatic response, her body has learned to respond to be in that fear and fear of, you know, not losing of not being able to feed her family of whatever that is. And that impacts how she thinks about money, how she spends, how, you know, loss, all of that stuff. And to this day, my mom just cannot throw away food, even if she doesn't like it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's so, because it's just, it's this automatic response that's become so ingrained and embedded in her, her body, her soma, her tissues, her muscles, her, and, and that's the thing. Our tissues have um, intelligence. Our, mem- our muscles have memory. They remember things. Mm-hmm. It's an automatic response. And so it's a survival tendency uh, and, and our bodies just know how to respond. It's kind of like when you learn to ride a bicycle and your body just remembers, our bodies mm-hmm. remember. So we just respond to certain things. And if we want to change, we have to teach our bodies to do something different. And so she passed that fear down both genetically and also in how she raised. And so for the longest time, even for me, I was working at Google, making a ton of money, but I would be so happy to buy a bottle of Listerine on sale and <laughs> with a coupon. And I was, mm-hmm. you know, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> so ingrained in me. And is it a genetic thing? Is it a, you know, I was just raised this way. I don't know. Yeah, that's a, that's very interesting, right? I think I was reading an article about like two brothers uh, and they were they one smoked the other didn't smoke and they were asking them like oh why do you smoke and and the one brother was saying well i smoke because i see uh my mom doing it and i thought that was cool but then the other brother they asked why don't you smoke i said well because i saw my mom doing it and i didn't like smoke so yeah. it, was, it was like it's you know the things that our parents do kind of trend transcend down to us yeah. right and and uh you know the way that we are. And I know I, I, I totally can relate about, you know, being frugal and, you know, getting the coupons. Cause that's all my parents did was just look for those deals. Right. And if it's not on sale, you don't buy it unless you absolutely need it. Then it's like, okay. Right. So it's, it's very interesting. I guess I have a lead up question to this, but so I guess knowingly now, if you can have these conversations with your parents and kind of get over the, the, the trauma for us as, as we are older now, how do we, you know, not pass these traumas to the next generation coming, right? Like to our children. Um, and then of course, hopefully to their, the children's children, right? So that it's not continuously being uh, drifted down. Uh, that, that's a, I, I love that question. So there's a lot of research on this and they're doing like treatments on people one of the things is to acknowledge what has happened and you cannot acknowledge unless you know what has happened. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's why um, part of the thing that some of the therapists are doing with people in groups and communities that have this ongoing trauma is helping them to connect back as a family and build family bonds mm-hmm. and have these, um, converse open conversations to acknowledge like what has happened in our history what has happened in our lineage and and come to terms and and speak it once you speak things in the open 
it feels so much easier. Like I, I used to have a lot of armor and I would not, not share anything. When I was working at Google, uh, I, I used to be called uh, the B word because there's like the, the professional me and then there's the other side of me, right? I never shared anything that was vulnerable. Um, and now, you know, like I, I will share anything about me and it's just easier now. And it doesn't carry so much weight because you're trying to hide stuff. So part of it is just speaking your truth not trying to hide it and really sharing that. And, and they're doing these family bonding type of things. And so that's one way to work through it is to know what has happened in your history. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's a great, great tip. It's just, I think now it's just really trying to figure out where, where are we traumatized? Like you kind of have to, um, uh, get some insight from other people because sometimes you might not even know, uh, you're dealing with things right until people kind of point it out to you. Yeah. And, and that's where at learning to ask for help. So whether it's a therapist, there are trauma informed coaches, you know, like, but don't try to do this on your own. So I have had all of those, you know, I've had coaches, I've had therapists, I've gone to ayahuasca ceremonies. I've done, I've done everything because that you're blind to, to what, to, to yourself, you know, you don't see what you don't see. And even though I'm a coach, I'm blind to my own, own things. I can't see it. So I need to ask other people mm-hmm. to, to be my guides, to hold me along the journey and to hold up that mirror so that I can see all the things that I don't recognize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's honestly, a, honestly I, th- I thought I had worked through everything, right? I was like, oh yeah, I'm good. I'm a coach. I worked through all my stuff. I've gone through all these things. And then I was like, ah, oh, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I don't even think my parents would ever even, I don't think they ever even believed in the word therapy back. <laughs> they would you ever see your parents ever try to get therapy and all that. It doesn't happen. You know, it's no. to them, it's no, no, you have to, you, you were the, ther- you were the therapy. <laughs> That's, it was just a different angle. You know, you're just getting in there in your own way to, mm-hmm. to, to cut, cut through it all that. Yeah. Wow, my, 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 my sister is a psychiatrist. When she told my parents she wanted to be a psychiatrist, they were like, you're going to work with crazy people. You're going to become crazy yourself. <laughs> you know, like, and this, this was many, many years ago, like 30 years ago. And since then, they have definitely come around because they're, they're reading more about therapy. And my mom even told me the other day, she was like, I didn't know that when you got pregnant, all these things in your body change, and then you could get depressed and sad. And, you know, like mm-hmm. you could see a therapist for that, right? She's like, I didn't know this. And she's actually the one who encouraged me to get a therapist. Cause after I had my baby, I had postpartum partum anxiety and all this stuff. So she was like, Amy, you need a therapist. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, wow. And so, and, but this was after we had already been having conversations. And so, um, like parents can change. It's just, it takes time and knowledge. Yeah. It goes back to her, her, what she said was basically, we didn't know. Yeah. And now we do. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's great. And, and again, right. Just listening and hearing more of these conversations, people kind of open up their eyes a little bit more to, you know, what kind of help is out there and that there is help out there. Um, so yeah, these are, th- those are great things. Cause I think I'm just recalling back to my grandparents, like, you know, they were my, my mom, my mom's side, very unhealthy relationship, but, you know, 
getting a divorce or leaving it's like that was no no right that was that was never an option in their mind um just i don't know just how they thought right um versus now it's a little bit different um but again therapy back then <laughs> no therapy at all right no no, no <laughs> such help right it's kind of like hey sorry you're 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 stuck in this relationship just deal with it somehow um so yeah i think it's that's great so i guess the now that you've had all of these conversations though like now it's super easy having conversations with your parents all the time because you've already opened up that doorway <laughs> right uh, or or do you still have difficult conversations with your parents so i i say in my book you know it, it never was never is going to be easy but it can get easier right mm -hmm. there are still moments that i get triggered there are still moments where my mom's like you know, um, angry or upset or whatever it is. And mm -hmm. I'm just like, Ugh! right. And I go into the, oh my gosh mode. Yeah. But overall, yeah, it's, it's a lot better. We do have open conversations. My mom got annoyed yesterday because of something. And I called her today and I said, Hey, I'm sorry if you were inconvenienced, you know, from yesterday. And if it was me before, I probably wouldn't have done that. I've just been mad that she was like being so cranky. Mm -hmm. So I called her, I told her, and she's like, oh, don't be silly. You know, like I was, you know, mommy, I'm j I just have that reaction right off the bat, but I'm okay now. Don't worry about it. You know, don't be silly. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I <laughs> had the conversations not happen. I don't think she would respond in that way, nor would I have. But it also takes um, both sides be able to do that you know for sure for sure i think i've had many conversations with my mother that end up not great but one-sided <laughs> what's yeah does it work out <laughs> too good but no i i, I think you're right you both both parties have to change right if i decide to not talk to her then we, we just end up not talking to each other mm -hmm. but i think if you can come in and and try to um you know just see it from their point of view and and whatnot, then it, you know, both sides need to kind of open their eyes to be able to see what's happening. And so when one person does it, then hopefully the next side starts to open up as well. And, and over time it has for, for me and my mom anyways. So um, yeah. it definitely helps improve that relationship between us. Yeah. And, and learning to drop your ego at the door, being yeah. able to say, I'm sorry if you, you did something wrong. Cause you know what? my tone is not that great all the time either. Sometimes I snap at them and I'm like, gosh, yeah. you know, and I call them back and I'll say, Hey, I wasn't very nice. And I'll, I'll admit that, but that yeah. takes being able to drop your ego. It's, it's so tough though. Like, I think it's so funny because I, the way that I treat my mom, I see is that the way that my mom treats her mom. And so we try, we, we kind of talk about that going, well, you should, like, I would, I would tell her she shouldn't do that to her mom but yet I'm doing that to my mom. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, you know, when you realize that you're kind of like, okay, well, uh, I'm not contradicting, right? Like I'm hypocrite here being telling her not to do it, but yet I do it to her. Yeah. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough. And that's, that's the thing. It gets passed down from generation to generation to generation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you were asking earlier about how do we not pass it down further? And part of it is, us being able to heal and change so that we can model a different behavior. Kids do not learn by what you tell them. They learn by what they see. So if you're saying, oh, don't treat your parent like this, but you're treating your own parents like this, guess what they're going to do? They're going to model what they're seeing. 
damn it. <laughs> it's not too late lance it's not too late it's not, it's not too late well i got three so i mean right now that means three of them gonna do it to me so i mean i better start shaping up right now and uh teach them teach them quick <laughs> and that, that's 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 the a part of it is like all right how do i want my kid to treat me one day how do i want my kid to act one day and and I'll be honest, when I started these conversations with my parents, I was not yet pregnant, didn't even know I was having a baby. And then afterwards, I, I had a, I finished it after my kid was like one year old. And I listened to some of the recordings from early on after I had my baby. And I was like, well, that would hurt if that was my son talking to me like that in that tone. And it wasn't my words. It was my tone, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And and that was a big motivator for me and a big eye opener of like, okay, if, if I were in my parents' shoes and my kid talked to me like that, would I really open up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. I'd be on the defensive. And so I, I, after having my own child and hearing my own tone, I went back to my parents and changed my own tone. And if they ever um, triggered me, I would not respond and I would be like, I got to go to the bathroom. Be right back. <laughs> I'll go to the bathroom and take some deep breaths and, you know, try to calm down and, and, and then return. Yeah, for sure. I've, I've probably done that. It, like knowingly seeing that my kids are looking at me, you know, maybe at, when we're having a conversation between me and my mom and things get a little heated up, I do like, I'm like, okay, you gotta keep, gotta keep your cool. Cause you don't want to, you know, you don't want to show the kids where you're, 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 you know, kind of uh, getting all angry with, with, with their grandma, right? Essentially, mm-hmm. and and so you know, you gotta learn to kind of bite your tongue, learn to manage the stress, and just take a walk and get out of that situation uh, before it escalates to a level where, uh oh, mm-hmm. right? Like it's hard to turn back from this point, and mm-hmm. um, definitely hard to do right easy to say hard to do uh especially when you're in that moment um but i i think i'm getting better at it <laughs> as as time goes yeah and and it just yeah. it's all about practice they say my my teacher once mm-hmm. said um it takes 300 times of intentional practice to build muscle memory 3000 mm-hmm. times of intentional practice to turn it into an embodied embodied thing where like it's just automatic it's like when you're driving a car and you just don't even think about it anymore Mm. so it's all about the practice and the intentional practice and catching yourself and it was hard for me at first right i was like oh crap i'm i'm being not nice you know Um, (laughs) and 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 then you know and then and then now it's like i recognize before i words even come out of my mouth i recognize that my body is going into this fight flight freeze mode where i just want to fight and I'm like, okay, I need to step away. Yeah. 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 I've had that happen to myself. I've actually started learning just to be nicer as well. Like my mom has like back, back then the, my tone to my parents was, I feel like it was a lot different than what it is today. And there was a point where my mom actually was like, Eric, don't talk to your dad like that. But then me, cause you know, I see my mom. Sometimes my mom just yells at my dad like all day, like whatever it is. Like my dad goes and buys something at the grocery store. My mom and comes home. My mom's like, why'd you buy this? Or like, this is so expensive. Why couldn't you just buy it? Whatever, whatever. And like some of the tone, you listen to that and you hear that and you're like, okay, this is, 
this is the way, this is how we're supposed yeah. to talk. But over the years, you start to figure, you know what, I, you just, I subconsciously, I was like, you know, I've, I've, especially after she would say that, right. And after that was, like, you know, maybe I am a little, I'm a little too mean, I feel like. And so I've calmed it down a little bit more now. Sometimes, you know, it just pops up, but, you know, I've tried to, tried to like, and it's like the, what, what you said, you know, Lance, you know, you, you, you see it because you, you see them do it. Mm-hmm. And back in the day, my dad would talk to my grandma, like it's, it's kind of like that same style. So it's, I kind of want to stop it as well. I don't have kids, by the way. So I don't, you know, this isn't, maybe it just stops here with me, you know, <laughs> I don't know. And, then the, and that's it right there. But it's very interesting how you, how, when, when you said that, it made me think about me as well and how my relationship and how my tone has somehow somewhat changed over the years for sure. And yeah. I hope it gets better from that, you know? Yeah. So anyway, Amy, I just want to say thank you again for coming on to the show. I know we only touched briefly on just the myriad of things that you do and <laughs> like, and probably you know, we have so much more stuff to talk about and we'll, you know, you know, we'll probably have you back on again to talk about other topics. Yeah. I know that, you know, just this, we only pretty much just talked about the book and like a little bit of the intergenerational trauma. Like that's just scratching the surface of what you, what you do and, and your coaching and, and all that type of stuff. But I'm sure our listeners have gotten some great knowledge on this topic because guaranteed everybody all, there's not one person out there that's, oh yeah, it's super easy to talk to my parents. I guarantee you there's, <laughs> there's gotta be some type of barrier or something that, that has a, there, there's like a difficult conversation to be had with them. Uh, and it's hard to, no one can really talk to their parents. Like we talk to our friends sometimes, you know, it's, 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 I feel like it's always going to be a difficult one, but mm-hmm. I think that the, the topics that, and the, the points that you made today really help for anybody who is trying to understand their parents more. And hopefully our listeners can get even just a little bit of what we, we discussed today to, to start that conversation and to keep it going to, to have a more meaningful and deeper conversations with their parents later. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, well yeah. said. Uh, yeah. Thank you, uh, Amy. Cause for me, I think the important part is just uh, for me not to pass it on to the next generation, but also continue that uh, growth in relationship with my own parents. And hopefully, like you say, when they see how you are with your parents, like how I'm with my parents, that they can naturally be that way. Cause I would love for when I grow older to be able to have these kind of conversations with my children and not just, you know, brush them off or, you know, uh, have these uh, kind of, you know, conversations where they're really dry, where we can still be like good friends and, and they can tell me everything and I can tell them everything. So I think it is important to, to be able to, uh, how do you say, get rid of the trauma and make sure that the trauma doesn't continue <laughs> on to the next generation. Thank you. Thank you. And so for our listeners who want to get a hold of you and also want to pre-order the book, what's the website that uh, they can get to? So the book is available on all retail outlets, Amazon, Books a Million, Barnes and Noble. So, you know, you can Google it. It's called Unfinished Business. Mm -hmm. You could look up my name, Amy Siep. 
And people can also contact me or find the book links on my website, which is Amy Yip, A-M-Y-Y-I-P, as in planet, coaching.com. So amyyipcoaching.com. Awesome. Thank you. And we'll make sure to share the link too in our, when we post the episode up. All right. Thank you again, Amy. Thank you. Thank you for having Thanks, me. Thanks, Amy. Okay.